Welcome to episode 147 of the Twim Show. This is your host Sajid Islam and today I'll be going over the notable news and updates in the digital marketing space from the week of February 6th through 10, 2023. First off, a little update on YouTube. Uh, YouTube has this new thing called masthead ads. So masthead ads is basically are those ha- ads you see when you go to youtube.com right on your desktop and those big ads you see now the good thing about this masthead ads uh, is that you know you can put it um, around a specific event like before the event during the event or after the event and one of those i mean let me read what they um youtube has shared with us uh, over the master ads and i'll read verbatim as an example like during the recent world cup mcdonald's brazil turned to the youtube cost per hour masthead their strategy was savvy reach anyone in brazil who was watching youtube an hour before the brazil versus cameroon match and remind them to pick up mcdonald's before the game started this t- perfectly timed execution delivered tens of millions of impression at the very moment fans were preparing for the match now you know that's just the sales pitch from youtube itself um if you were to ask me or if i have to think about it uh i would say you know um you know showing an ad uh right before the game and reminding people to go pick up mcdonald's not sure if it works but if they have delivery yeah it will work and again it's a it's a sub, it's you're sending a subconsciously a cue to the brain that you know hey you're going to get hungry and if you get hungry go watch it and do things like this uh so it's it goes it's like youtube is replacing what you would see usually on tv because again more and more people are on the tv moving in from the tv into the youtube ads um, or youtube world okay uh, at this time uh, they're not sharing any information as to what the cost are how much inventory is available uh, or if it's available only to national brands or small brands but you know or local businesses it's still unclear uh, i'm sure these things are going to unfold uh, in the coming days and years or maybe youtube kind of um want to get it out there in preparation for super bowl who knows okay with that let's dive into the next update of this week which is pinterest pinterest has posted a uh, its quarter q4 2022 earnings report and with that comes the full year of 2022 earnings report so now a few things that you should know about number 1 uh, pinterest has a total of which i messed up and i don't have the total number but they now have 95 million users in the us which is the same as q3 124 million users in europe which is 4 millions more than they had in q3 so now q3 it was 120 million now is 124 million and rest of the world bucket they have 231 million in q3 they had 230 million okay so that's what i mean i think it roughly comes to 230 plus 100 330 some about Five six hundred million users, maybe. Okay, uh, that's not the big deal. The big deal is, uh, you know, revenue front. And I know this is not a, a finance podcast or show. However, you need to really, I like to really look at the numbers and look at the users and kind of figure out what the greener pastures are. So revenue front, Pinterest made a total of eight hundred seventy seven million dollars uh, in revenue in Q four twenty twenty two. Now. 
if you look at it, they may earn $722 million in US and Canada. That's 147 more than they did in Q3. $123 million in Europe, which is a $37, $37 million more revenue in Q3. And $32 million in the rest of the world, which is $8 million more than Q3. So in, in Q3, they are $24 million uh, for rest of the world category. Now they have $32 million uh, for Q4. Okay, so that's how it is. Now, if I were to, you know, also Pinterest goes down and breaks down the average revenue per users uh, for the region of US, it's like a US and Canada is $7.60. Average uh, revenue per user in Europe is $1.01. And average revenue per users is 0.14 in the rest of the world category. Have If you take these three pieces of information or three pieces of data, like, what does it tell you? To me, it tells me that Pinterest has 95 million users in the US and they're bringing in about $722 million in revenue, which basically means the advertisers in the US are spending a lot of money in Pinterest, whereas if you look at it, the big bucket is 231 million users in the rest of the world, which is like 2.3 times, almost 2.4 times what it is in the US, user count-wise. But revenue-wise, let me take out my calculator, and I think this would be fantastic, which is if I divide 722 by 32, revenue-wise, it's basically US makes about 22.5, almost 23% more. 23, not percent, 23 times more, right? Uh, or on the other flip side, you can say, which is they don't really make much money from the rest of the world. Right? Well, you, we are not, I'm not giving you uh, in ideas for investments, but I'm saying is what I feel like is that they are, there are opportunities. If you are listening to this show and you are in the, rest of the world category market space or Europe, maybe you should try Pinterest ad if you haven't tried it and see uh, what you get. Now you could say, hey, maybe the conversions are not good and things like that. But of course, yeah, you have to be in e-commerce, but it's just the top of the mind strategy, right? Top of the funnel strategy. See if you can bring in and really, because Pinterest looks like a greener pasture for those two areas, geography, location, than it does in the US. I mean, you know, again, it could be comparatively cheaper than Facebook, which could be more cheaper than um what is it called, Twitter or even Google. But just looking at this, seems like really, really uh, rest of the world category, Pinterest is a ch really should be really, really cheap inventory-wise. Um, because you know there's, there's users, but it seems like they're not making money, which means advertisers are not spending money. If they're not spending money, that means you can go in and really place ads for very, very cheap. Remember, in the early days, uh, even Gary Vee says that all the time, that you know, in the early days, he was putting ads up on Google search ads for pennies, right? And that's how he built, like, and he spent all the, he invested all the money, put all the monies, he got this big following and big wine list, a uh, big user list, uh, email list, built, he was able to build it because Google was so cheap. So folks, you need to find these greener pastures, this gold, uh, these areas where you can focus on and you go put money in there, okay? Let's move on to the next update. The next updates are on the Microsoft for, uh, front, Microsoft Ads. Uh, a few things you need to know if you are in the Microsoft Ads, seems like Microsoft Ads is getting better and better every day. Uh, well, they have to if they want to be in the business and Microsoft does want to grow their business exponentially this year. So 
I think the last time when I covered the Microsoft ads and the quarterly earnings, they said they want to double their business. Anyway, large trust, they now have large touch, last touch attribution uh, for all audience markets. This feature allows you to change your conversion goal attribution. So basically you can now say, I want to count based on people who saw my ad the last time. Okay. Enhanced cost per click is also available. Uh, again, this is part of the automated bidding strategy. Uh, for all automated bidding strategies, uh, Microsoft has data exclusion, which allows their algorithm to kind of you know stop uh, showing your ads if they detect some anomaly where maybe your conversion tracking is not working or you have an outage on your website. Why show your ad if the users are going to go in and get an error message, things like that. Okay. Uh, lastly, their Google import uh, in Microsoft advertising are now able to import uh, smart campaigns from Google ads. So this is a good thing if you want to like, you know, take your smart campaigns as is and put it into Microsoft ads and see how it does. Absolutely go ahead and give it a try. I always encourage everyone to spend 20% of your budget, uh, ad budget into Microsoft and see what results you get. With that, uh, then moving on to Google, uh, Google says uh, Google is recommending JSONLD format for structured data. JSON stands for JavaScript Object Notation. Again, this is a technical term, but Google says you know there are obviously there are three uh, types of uh, formats you can use for structured data: uh, JSON, Microdata, and RDFA. Uh, what Google is saying, like, look, I know there we will support all three. However, we prefer and we recommend you to use our users to use uh, JS JSON, uh, JavaScript Object Notation. It's because it's the easiest for you to implement and maintain. Uh, but you know, if you don't want to do it, that's fine. Uh, but you know, JSON is again easy. Again, all all the structured data that I've seen, especially from the uh, in the world of WordPress and everything is always in Java uh, JSON format. So that's good. Uh, but just keep in mind if you are working with a tech uh, or a techie person or a SEO person and if they're saying, hey, we're going to do structured data, implement structured data, and you know how important it is. We've been covering this in our show. Now you know what to do. You can ask them, hey, uh, tell me the different types of structured data formats you have and which one are you going to use? I mean, you know. Whether you are hiring an agency or an SEO expert, you want to ask these questions because this will tell you what this person knows, right? Okay. With that, let's. This is the last update of this week, which is Google has changed their stance and now they're saying uh, they're okay with AI-generated content. Last year, remember, uh, John Mueller said during uh, last year during that April 2022 SEO office hour. Uh, John Miller says, hey, we are against um, content generated by AI, right? And now fast forward 10 months and they're saying, oh, no, it's fine. However, with a caveat, uh, what they're saying is, look, don't use AI generated content and don't put spammy content out there. Put content that follows the EEAT uh, framework which is exactly the same thing I've been telling you again and again. At the end of the day, folks, you can put content just for the sake of putting content. But if you are not putting content that's going to educate, that's going to inform, educate, help someone or answer someone's question, it's just a waste of time. Now, whether you're doing it yourself or whether you're doing it through chat GPT, doesn't matter. It's just useless noise. And remember, putting up content does not necessarily guarantee that Google is going to crawl. And crawling does not necessarily think it's going to index and rank it. So you want to put good quality content. There is, with ChatGPT, 
being out and a bard, Google showcase bard, which is obviously half-baked, but it's going to come around. You don't really want to, you know, just be this factory of producing low-quality content because this is exactly what Google says in the or Google wrote in their Search Central blog post. When it comes to automatically generated content, our guidance has been consistent for years. Using automation, including AI, to generate content with the primary purpose of manipulating ranking in search results is a violation of our spam policies. That said, it is important to recognize that not all use of automation, including AI generation, is spam. Automation has long been used to generate helpful content such as sports scores, weather forecasts and transcripts. AI has the ability to power new levels of expression and creativity and to serve as a critical tool to help people create great content for the web. Appropriate, and they go on to say, right, appropriate use of AI or automation is not against our guidelines. This means that it is not used to generate content primarily to manipulate search ranking, which is against our spam policies. So, if you were to throw a command to ChatGPT, say, hey, ChatGPT, write a thousand page, uh, a thousand page, thousand word, uh, thousand word uh, blog post on SEO and make sure it has a keyword density of 50 or 60 uh, and you mention SEO at least three times in each paragraph, maybe I would think that is wrong. But if you were to tell through issue a comment to ChatGPT saying write a blog post on a thousand word blog post on why what is SEO why is it important how can it be used how can a small business owner start and things like that maybe that is a good content and then you know again the other question comes up is how will Google know which is really written by ChatGPT because you can take a content out of ChatGPT do run it through something like Grammarly fix the correct uh, grammar uh, or fix the transitions, fix the sentence structure, things like that, modify it a little bit, put it through Grammarly, correct the grammars and put it up there. I really do not know. We are in this new territory that has never we have never been before. I really do not know how this is going to p- play out, but all I know is, folks, use ChatGPT because I used it uh, last week and it's amazing. Use it, but use it as a helper tool, not to replace everything. I think that's where we should stop and we should just say, you know, that's where really you harness, leverage the power of AI. That, folks, that's it for this week in marketing. Uh, this is your Sajid Islam signing off. Until next week, take care. Bye-bye.